Welcome to The Gods We Belong To, an urban fantasy noir podcast. The Gods We Belong To tells one continuous story in order, and it's important to start at the beginning. So, first timers, it's back to episode one for you. Now, my faithful friends, take a beat, take a breath, and let's check in with Alex. Chapter 1 Some days it just doesn't pay to get out of bed. Or what it does pay is nowhere near worth it. This was supposed to be a simple job, nothing more than a conversation. Now I'm doing my best to look nonchalant while fleeing the scene of a, let's call it, aggravated assault. At best. Like I said, some days. Like a lot of catastrophes, major or minor, this one started with sex. One apartment building in Anaheim, roughly 50 tenants, all of them suddenly and uncontrollably frisky. It seemed small at first, just a few random hookups, but within two days the shit had seriously hit the fan. We're talking a building-wide non-stop orgy, wild indiscriminate coupling on every floor, on the stairs, in the elevators, even the laundry room. Especially the laundry room. The cause of all this carnal anarchy? One lone satyr. Apparently that's all it takes. They give off some kind of magical pheromone. Gets anyone in their immediate vicinity all shook up. Fortunately, satyrs tend to be restless, transient. Meaning they don't generally hang out in one place for long enough to cause a problem. They just leave a trail of lifted libidos. But this one went and got comfy. I was supposed to nip the situation in the bud before local law enforcement got involved. No one inside had complained, mind you, they were all far too busy. Fortunately, this was one of those no-children-allowed buildings, so that wasn't an issue. And the debauchery hadn't actually reached outside the building, apart from a few folks leaning out of windows. But there was no denying that something out of the ordinary was going on, something that couldn't be allowed to continue. So I hit the road bright and early, headed north to Anaheim. Why me? Because apparently keeping shit like this under control is kind of my job now. Life takes some pretty weird turns. My name is Alex Cassander, and it's been a year since my life got turned upside down. I was happy enough, in an unremarkable sort of way, living off the grid in LA, working cases real PIs wouldn't touch. It was a living. A decent one. And in a world where I was never going to be the rock star I'd moved out west to be, the job was a whole lot better than nothing. But the job was also all I had. No real friends to speak of, no romantic life, just the occasional regrettable, forgettable one-nighter. Most of the time, I was too high to care. Then I met Odin. Yeah, that Odin. And found out that the stuff of myth is as real as it gets. Before I knew it, I was working for a god and investigating an archangel, basically diving way out of my depths. 
I lost an eye. Gave it up, technically, I guess. Odin ripped it out and replaced it so I could see beings like him and his for what they are. Then the replacement got smashed when some half-angel muscle beat me half to death. Now there's mystical energy running loose inside me doing gods only know what. But I can still see them. Gods, angels, whatever. Except for Loki. <laughs> that one's got tricks you wouldn't believe. At least he did. Changed himself into a woman. Seduced Michael, seduced me. Talk about regrettable. Then he tried to end the world. Didn't work out for him. Got his oh-so-clever brain scrambled for his trouble. To top it all off, turns out Odin is my great-grandfather, and granddad is nasty little Loki himself. All that was way more than my drug-addled psyche could handle, so I fucked off to San Diego for some much-needed boring. And I got it, until Odin came calling again. That was six months ago, just long enough for this god-ridden insanity to become my new normal. And today's slice of normal was supposed to be convincing a lazy satyr to pull up stakes and skip town before the cops came sniffing, or the building's randy residents died of exhaustion and dehydration. Hell, at least they'd die smiling, which is more than most of us get. This isn't the first out-of-pocket creature I've had to wrangle. In the past six months, I've learned more than I ever wanted to know about the world, the real world. For starters, you've got gods and angels, basically one big family, two generations worth. After that, it starts to get messy. Seems there's been an awful lot of begetting over the years. Gods on humans, gods on half-breeds, half-breeds on humans, half-breeds on half-breeds. You get the idea. Anyway, the end result is a hodgepodge of not-quite-humans that live and breathe and go about their lives right alongside billions of unsuspecting normies. Believe me, satyrs are just the tip of the iceberg, but in this case, just the tip was enough to fuck things up good and proper. I pulled up around 9am. The street was still quiet except for Ground Zero, which hummed with a low chorus of deep, guttural animal noises. One lone neighbor stood outside her house lazily drawing on a cigarette and looking suspiciously at the building from a comfortable distance. I pulled a joint from my pocket, lit it, and walked over. Morning, I said, exhaling a copious cloud of smoke. Yeah, it'd be a better one if you'd share the wealth, she replied. Help yourself, I offered. She nodded in thanks, took a long pull, held it, sputtered, then finally exhaled. Cool eye patch, she said. You a pirate or something? Or something. I get that more than you'd think since I started wearing the damn thing. Gets annoying, but the empty eyelid underneath isn't exactly something I'm keen on showing off, so pirate jokes it is. What's the story here? I asked, motioning towards the building. Your guess is as good as mine, she shot back. But something's seriously fucked up in there. It's like somebody put Spanish fly in the water. Has anyone gone in? Oh yeah, she enthused, holding in another hit. Some folks went in yesterday. To complain or to join in? Eh, few of each. And? I prompted. Not one of them's come out. No one comes out. It's like the porn version of a goddamn roach motel. That's why I'm keeping my distance. Sounds smart, I said, retrieving the joint and inhaling the rest of it. Only a real moron would go in there. 
Then I turned and marched off towards the building. I tried to focus, prepare myself for what I was walking into. Even ten feet from the building's entrance, you could feel it like electricity crackling in the air. Approaching the door, my pulse quickened. A flurry of primal urges and pornographic images flashed through my mind. I breathed deep, pushed it down. Having gods in the family tree and a dose of mystical energy in the blood makes it easier to shrug off simple magic like this, as long as the caster isn't too powerful. This one wasn't. Hell, he wasn't even really casting, more just letting it happen. The second I opened the door and stepped inside, it was like falling into a nymphomaniac's daydream. There were bodies everywhere, and not in the crime scene sense. These were living, breathing, groping, groaning, undulating bodies. The air was filled with a cacophony of grunts, moans, and the occasional triumphant howl. It took all the strength I had to stay focused as I cautiously stepped over knots of writhing tenants. I could feel the source of the energy and I followed it around a corner, down to the end of the hall, the floor thick with intertwined forms. The door to the last apartment was open, partly because of a literal clusterfuck right in the doorway. I stepped over them, then negotiated an ever-denser obstacle course until I made my way to the living room. A sweat-slick mass of revelers almost completely blanketed the floor, woven together like a carpet, pulsing and churning. The satyr sat across the room, lazily lounging in a reclining chair and taking a hit off a large glass bong. Okay, at least we had something in common. His physical form was unremarkable, scruffy, paunchy, a little slovenly, looked like the classic couch-bound stoner stereotype. He showed no interest in joining in the X-rated reindeer games going on all around him. Instead, he simply closed his eyes and exhaled, then proceeded to take another pull. With a bit of focus, I saw his true form, a horned, cloven-hoofed, pot-bellied goat boy with furry legs and dark, beady eyes. So, I began loudly. He turned his nasty gaze on me. This shit? I gestured at the wickerwork of bodies. This has officially gone too far. You know you can't just set up shop here, right? He sat back, slowly, clearly none too phased by my announcement. Who the fuck are you, man? Me? I'm Alex, but that's not important right now. What is important is who I work for. His name is Odin. I'm betting you're familiar. The look in his eyes told me he was. Point is, I continued, I may not be the boss of you, but he is. And unless you want him or one of his deceptively alluring Valkyries to show up and boss your ugly mug into the fucking wall, you'll be on your way. Clear enough? Looking back, maybe I should have tried the carrot first, maybe set a better tone. But when your stick is a terrifying ancient god, that tends to become your go-to. Mainly because it works. The mere mention of old one-eye is enough to make most creatures and lesser gods fairly compliant. But for some reason, possibly related to the innumerable bong rips and the tower of empty beer bottles taking up most of the coffee table, this particular satyr was in a surly frame of mind. I know who Odin is, but I've never heard of you. 
How do I know you even work for him? Sounds like a load of bullshit to me. I think I'm going to go ahead and stay right here. I like it here. Nice place, good weed. Plus, I got a pizza on the way. At 9 a.m., I said in disbelief. Then I noticed the open, empty pizza box on the floor next to him, and the pizza delivery guy on the floor next to that, naked except for his identifying hat and shirt, with a name tag that said, Josh. I wasn't immediately sure what Josh was doing or having done to him, and I wasn't about to look long enough to figure it out, but whatever it was, he was clearly giving it his all. Yeah, looks like that pizza has come and gone, I gestured toward the box and the furiously fornicating delivery man. Huh? The satyr grumbled. Sharp as attack, this one. Pizza gone, I kicked the box. You eat already. Oh, yeah, right, right. Last night, I think. Look, man, I'm usually not one to throw stones from my stoned house of glass, but you might need a little sabbatical from the green. For your own good, you understand. He stared at me, slack-jawed. Never in a million years thought I'd hear these words come out of my mouth, I muttered to myself, then swallowed and continued at full volume. For God's sake! Put that fucking bong down. And then I made what, in retrospect, may have been a mistake. I reached out and grabbed the bong, pulled it right out of his hands. That, apparently, was a step too far. The satyr rocketed off the couch with startling velocity. Before I knew it, he'd knocked me off my feet, landing square on my chest with his considerable weight, and proceeded to rain clumsy but effective blows down on me. I raised both arms to block his fists while trying my damnedest to ignore the sweaty pile of humanity I was being crushed into. It was bad enough being bludgeoned by a fat furry goat thing without also having anonymous hands grabbing at my tender bits. As soon as I saw an opening, I reached up and grabbed him by his scruffy beard. He howled as I yanked his head to the side, forcing his bulk off me. Then, still holding tight, I swung back in the other direction, slamming his head into the coffee table. Blood streamed down his face, and for a split second I thought he was ready to give up. <laughs> Dare to dream, Alex. Goatboy shook his head, grunted deep and low, then looked up at me. I've been in enough fights to know trouble when I see it in someone's eyes, and there it was, plain as day. This was about to get ugly. Even the orgy of inhabitants sensed it. Their writhing came to a sudden stop. Okay, more of a noticeable slowdown, and all eyes turned to us. This was my first satyr, so for all I knew, this paunchy miscreant could go full monster any minute. One thing I've learned, when in doubt, assume the worst. Don't wait to find out what he can do. End it now. With that in mind, I reached towards the table, picked up an empty beer bottle, and shattered it against his thick fucking skull. The satyr blinked, clearly stunned, but he did not go down. Still, I had just enough time to grab another bottle and repeat the procedure. Same result, only a little more stunned. Progress. Good thing he'd emptied so many bottles and obligingly left them all so close together. I grabbed bottle after bottle and smashed each one hard into the satyr's ugly mug until he finally slumped to the floor, unconscious and bloodied. Well, 
This is another fine mess you've gotten yourself into, Alex. I knew the voice immediately. Didn't even have to look. Odin wasn't expecting you to drop in, and I wasn't planning on it. Fool that I am, I rather imagined you could take care of this little problem yourself. Yeah, you probably should have known better, I said, turning to face my employer. Yet still I hope, he cracked a smile. I don't know what you're complaining about, I offered. He's down for the count, not causing any more trouble. Yes, strictly speaking, you are correct. But you'll recall that the objective of today's outing was to convince him to move on, thereby allowing these no doubt exhausted people to get back to their normal, less naked lives. Now, we have an unconscious satyr on our hands who, being unconscious, is less than mobile. Okay, so... Mission kind of accomplished? Indeed, and now it falls to me to clean up the mess. With that, Odin grabbed the satyr by his unkempt mane and lifted him into the air. The gallows god muttered an incantation and opened a portal to the void, the dark antiverse his kind uses to travel vast distances in an instant. As soon as it was wide enough, Odin unceremoniously tossed the satyr into the rift and it began to close behind him. Where'd you send him? Poughkeepsie. Eh, could be worse. Now Alex, Odin continued, you currently find yourself spattered in blood the only fully clothed individual in the entire building. As the carnally embroiled inhabitants begin to reacquire their senses, they will more than likely contact the authorities. And I doubt that's a conversation you want to have. Point taken. But I'm not the only fully clothed person here, I cracked, motioning towards my employer. Indeed, I misspoke. You are about to be. Talk soon. Odin turned to the portal, now not much more than a pinprick in space. With a motion, he forced it open and stepped through, pulling it completely shut behind him. I scanned the room. All around me, people were coming too, like waking out of a deep sleep. For my part, I was making my speedy way to the exit, hoping no one got a good look at me on the way out. That about brings us up to date. Now I'm walking as fast as exaggerated calm will carry me back to my car. I catch the eye of the lady I met on the way in, and her brows raise in surprise. Didn't think I'd be seeing you again. What's with the blood? She inquires. Don't worry. Almost none of it's mine. Fair enough, she shrugs. So, you get to the bottom of it? Whatever it was? Yeah, I reply. But I'd consider it a personal favor if you would forget to mention me to any cops who might come by. I retrieve another joint from my pocket and hand it to her as I pass. Will do, she nods. Thanks. I'm here to help, I fire back over my shoulder. A pair of large ravens are perched on the roof of my car. They cock their heads and look at me. Hugen, Munin, I nod to them in turn. Hello, Alex, squawks the first bird. But I'm Munin. He's Hugen. Right. Sorry. Identical. I swear to you, those two birds are fucking identical. They've been shadowing me on jobs for months now, and yet every time I try to nail down which is which, without fail, I get it wrong. Or so they tell me. 
I'm never quite sure how far to trust them. They're just feathered errand boys, literally cut from Odin's cloth, so lies and trickery are very much on the menu. Didn't I mention that? Odin is... complicated. Sure, he's about wisdom and inspiration, but that's not all of it. He's also a creature of secrets and shadows, with a storm at his core that is truly terrifying. It's a delicate balance that, thank whatever gods you choose, tips now more towards the light. In other words, he used to be a god of madness and frenzy, but he's much better now. This has been The Gods We Belong To, Book 2, Chapter 1. The Gods We Belong To is written, performed, edited, and produced by Dan Goldstein. Theme music is I'll Drive by Daniel Birch. Additional music, Safe as Houses, Try the Other Door, Rise of the Phosphor, You're Not Forgiven, and Attack of the Birds by Daniel Birch and The True Entity of Life by Daniel Birch and Ben Pegley. You can find Daniel at danielbirchmusic.com Our spectacular episode art is by the talented and beautiful Jen Goldstein. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and help spread the word. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Post, tweet, make your own Gods We Belong To face masks. Five-star ratings are particularly helpful and appreciated. However you do it, thank you. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Gods We Belong To, and all episodes and more are now at thegodswebelongto.net. Episode 2 is coming in just one week, so... Until then, don't do anything Alex wouldn't do.